it's amazing what you can do with one light. And I used to strip lights, which is not the most obvious thing to use. So it's like most people start with like a reflector or a square softbox. But I I thought, no, let's let's do something a little bit different. I used a strip light, you know, use it vertically, use it horizontally in front to the side and then put it behind and use a reflector Mm -hmm. and you get the most weird but beautiful gorgeous lights hey welcome to episode 364 of the beginner photography podcast brought to you by cloudspot the easiest way to deliver and sell your photos online hey guess what I am your host, Raymond Hatfield, and today we are chatting with fashion and lifestyle photographer Amanda Thomas about creating light to create soft yet powerful portraits. Now, at the end of every interview, I ask my guest one question, and that is, do you know somebody who you think would be a good fit to come onto the podcast? And when I asked Anya Puhlman, she immediately came up with Amanda's name. She said her use of light is awe-inspiring. You know, I got to check that out then. And Amanda is also a pro photo ambassador. So I thought, okay, she's obviously got to know a thing or two about light, which after looking into it honestly surprised me because I think with many um, lighting ambassadors, they try to make sure that the viewer knows that this image, you know, could only be captured with like six different lights, ton of gels, huge setup. But Amanda's work really looks so close to reality and it doesn't just punch you in the face with being overlit it is beautiful stuff so be sure to check out some of amanda's work uh and i linked uh you know all of her socials in the show notes of this episode so again check them out and then come back to this episode or do it while you're listening to this episode we can multitask that's the beauty of uh technology today so with that let's go ahead and get on into today's podcast with amanda thomas so amanda my first question for you is when did you know that photography was going to play an important role in your life that is such a great question. It's a big question. Um, it is a big question. Um, I think it was when I was quite young, when I was a teenager. So um, my dad, uh, he was a draftsman by day, but he was a musician by night. So he would do like three gigs a week. And he was in various different bands and duos. And uh, he would often go to a photographer's studio to get his promo shots done. Um And I went with him. It was school holidays and uh, we walked into the studio and the studio, uh, the photographer just wrapped his shoot, but the lights were still on. And uh, my dad and the photographer were chatting in the office and the photographer said to me, oh, just the studio is there. Just go have a look. I was like 14 and I wandered around and the lights were on and there was like this magic in the air. It was amazing. It was like visceral palpable you know it was just like you could almost touch it and I was just I don't know what this is but I want it (laughs) it's just what is this it was like catnip um and uh the model the model had left but the lights were on and it was I I was trying to work out what these lights meant what they were doing and there was this like polyboard and there was the background and there was this kind of fabric draped over this chair and it was just amazing. It it was like electric. And I thought, I need this in my life. I don't know what it is, but I want to find out what this is. Oh my and gosh. It, it, it was transformational. I didn't realize it because I was 14 and, you know, you're not aware of what's going on. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of, it always comes back to that moment when I was 14. 
So you had so, never like uh, uh, really with intention picked up a camera and really shot until that moment. And it sounds like even in this uh, story right here, you don't even have a camera in your hand. You're just seeing light differently. And that that was the yeah. that was the uh, inciting incident the, for you. Yeah, it was it was a studio. It had like four lights. Yeah, four lights overhead, soft boxes. The whole setup, and I was like, this looks really confusing, but I, I just love it. Um, and I did have a camera. I had like a, I don't think they don't make them anymore, but it was like a tiny little 110 camera mm-hmm. that you have like a cartridge in. And my parents got it for me when I was 12. So I, re- I, I did ask them for a camera. So, um, but at that point, you're really just taking snapshots until you, until you saw the slide. Yeah. After that, did yeah, you yeah. decide I'm gonna learn more about photography? Uh, was it immediate, or did you wait until later in life? It was. It wasn't immediate, but uh, I kind of finished school, and then uh, when I was uh, deciding what to do for my A levels, I was doing like art and theatre studies. I wanted to be a dancer, and um, I did film studies as well. And uh, a friend of mine was doing photography, and. I I spent more time in the dark rooms developing film. He he showed me how to use a thirty five mil film camera mm-hmm. and how to process you know how to process a film, how to make prints, contact sheets, the whole thing. And the tutors were fine with it. They said, "Yeah, just come in, use it. It's great." But I didn't study A level photography, but I <laughs> I made full use of the facilities. So it kind of that's when the hands on part of it started, and I was just like. My first photo was like lying in the middle of a railway track, mm. taking a picture of it going off into the distance. I still have it somewhere. Wow. It's a terrible picture. Right. But, um, <laughs> I think I think anything on railroad tracks is uh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I want to know when you decided to really pick up that camera and mm-hmm. really take photography seriously and try to take a photo with intention, there's a lot more that goes into it than just, you know, the point and shoot of your, of your cartridge 110 camera. What were some yeah. of those struggles like from a technical standpoint for you? There, with any kind of uh, completely manual setting on a camera, there's, there's lots of things to consider. You know, you've got the, uh, the aperture, the ISO, your film speed, um, you know, your shutter speed is, it's kind of, it's it's like a it's a bit like a slow dance mm. or a slow tango. You know, you can pick up some speed the more you the more you learn it, and you can do some really cool maneuvers with it. Um, but it's about knowing that you know what all these different settings make, and then and then and, and learning the routine because it is a dance between those three components, those three parts of like getting getting an exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's terrifying at the beginning, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. Um, but you know, I I give lighting workshops to my to um, to students and uh, to adults as well. So the, the one thing I will say to them is that if you can speak one language fluently, if you can drive a car, then you can learn photography because it's just skills you haven't yet learned. Mm. And it's okay not to be good at them because you weren't born being a bricklayer. You weren't born being a truck driver. You weren't born 
speak in five languages. You couldn't do any of that. And, you know, it's okay not to know. So I kind of wish I knew that when I was 15. Right, of course. (laughs) Well, all all that you're exposed to is just great imagery and then your photos. So it's hard, I'm sure, before the days of, uh, you know, Instagram or the Internet uh, to get to build up a, a visual literacy of images that weren't uh, professional, you know, so that that has yeah. got to be a huge hurdle to get over. And then you're shooting film. So you yeah. don't even know what your photos look like until possibly a week later. Uh, and then that learning curve is yeah. gonna be, uh, just a huge, huge struggle. Can you talk to me about how, cause today you shoot, you shoot a lot of fashion. So how did, how did you get into fashion photography? Um, I got into it in a, everyone's route is different. I, I started out shooting rock stars and actors for magazines. Right from the gig. And, um, yeah, kind of, kind of, um, everyone's route through, through their career as a photographer is completely different. No two people are the same. Uh, I, I did mine in a, in a very unusual way. Oh, I think it's unusual. Most, most people graduate. And then um, assist a photographer and then set up on their own. And I kind of did it slightly back to front. Um, So I started freelancing for a magazine publisher and was meeting lots of musicians and actors and working with lots of different editors and journalists. And as a kid growing up, I was really into MTV. It had not long come to the UK, and I was—I would just spend hours soaking up all this visual kind of escapism because it was really experimental, and it—it it was kind of the launch of the music video, wasn't it? And it was—it's—I um, don't know—I just lapped it up, and I think sort of fashion and music to me linked together because they're just creative outlets and you can run as far as you like with it. You know, if you've got enough time, you've got enough budget, if you've got enough freedom of creativity, then you can go, you can run and keep running with it. And the fashion for me sort of came out of that because magazines have deadlines. They have uh, quite a few restrictions, particularly on budget. Uh, And, after I think it was about 15 years I was shooting for, for editorial stuff, magazines, I was just like, I need to kind of, I want to change how I do this. I want to sort of widen what I'm shooting. Um, and I've always shot portraits because I'm a, a fashion and portrait photographer. And um, so I think it was about five years ago, I, I sort of did that that pivot right before lockdown, right before the pandemic. Perfect timing. Uh, Perfect timing. So it's it's like now I'm having to kind of pick it back up again and um, kind of start making it happen again. So which is great. It's great. But it's it's a creative industry. And, and I always think big. I always think ambitious. And then you have to kind of rein it in for the for the for the budget or most most of the time, if you think too big, sometimes clients can be like a little nervous mm-hmm. so they're just like mm, i think that might be a bit ambitious can we just dial it down a little it's just like sure why not but if you, if you don't think big you can't rein it in 
it's difficult to set something small and then build it big. Certainly with ideas at the, at the get go. Shooting editorial um, work for you know a number of years. Uh, there's kind of this. Um, um, I, w- one thing that I find really interesting about photography is that uh, it's all capturing light, right? We're just all taking a photo of something in front of the camera. But within yeah. that, editorial photography looks very different than fashion photography. So there's something that's happening in front of the camera that is different between the two. Um, and when I think of fashion photography, again, I, I can I can I can see the look in my head, right? And it's different from editorial. It's different than portraiture. Can you give me maybe um, a uh, um, a definition of what fashion photography is that like every photographer, every fashion photographer pretty much follows. But then outside of that, how you make images uniquely your own. Does that question make sense? Kind of. Yes. Um, I think fashion photography is all about escapism. So it's, it's about creating an aesthetic that is aspirational and inspirational for the viewer, for the consumer, for whoever is looking. Um, and it, it's kind of similar with, say, like a fragrance ad, you know, with the Chanel, whether Chanel clothes or Chanel um, perfume ads, they're kind of, they're slightly out there and they sort of don't make sense, but they're so beautiful. You kind of just let that go. You kind of just enjoy the aesthetic and the sort of journey, like you're on some kind of almost science fiction short, very, very short story in about 20, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's all about escapism. Editorial style tends to be a little bit more in the moment, mm-hmm. like here and now, a bit more realistic. And I think... I mean, obviously, it depends on the brand, depends on the brief, who's, you know, all sorts of things like that. But, I mean, I am sort of generalizing, but I I would say fashion photography is more about escapism. So how does that um, play out when you are taking photos? So let's say, like, if you just had a... You know, you have qu- quite a lot of experience in editorial photography. What did an average day as an editorial photographer look like for you versus or no, I take that back. What does planning an editorial <laughs> shoot look like for you versus what does planning a fashion shoot look like for you? Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step. And the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Um, well, if I was working for a music magazine, uh, a lot of the 
planning would be done ahead by the production team. So the editor or the uh, production editor would have set everything up ahead of schedule. Um, and I would literally get an address, a date and a time. Uh, so an appointment would be made on my behalf. Um, and I would just turn up. Sometimes I wouldn't know who I was shooting. Well, yeah, sometimes I didn't know who I was shooting. Oh, I didn't know anything about them. Oh, wow. I would just rock up at a hotel and it's just like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm here for such and such, mm-hmm. such and such magazine. Um, and they go, right, okay. And it, it, it's, you know, press junket. So it's, um, if you've seen, is it the film Notting Hill where Julia Roberts plays an actor and Hugh Grant is an aspiring journalist. I believe so. falls in love with. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that she does, the press junkets, where you just got like loads of people coming in one after the other, and she's like fresh and bright at the beginning and utterly exhausted at the end. That's basically <laughs> a press day. So you've got like, loads of photographers coming through. Um, so with a like a fashion shoot, there's I would say there's a lot more planning for me as a photographer, because um, I I don't have an agent, so I'm working directly. So there's a lot of uh, prep to be done. The more prep you do, the better the shoot, because a shoot, it's really easy to run out of time. So you ha- it's all down to planning. So you do your, your pre-production, your production, you have your shoot and then you have your post-production, which is generally your retouching and, and making sure all the images go to the right places. Um, but a lot of a shoot is done ahead of the actual shoot itself. So it's, uh, I mean, obviously you'd have a model, sometimes several models. You'd have a makeup artist, sometimes a hairstylist. Um a fashion stylist, maybe an art director or a creative director. There'd be assistants. There might be somebody uh, from the agency. If there is an agency involved, there'll obviously be a client. So, you know, I've been on set with like 20 people. And as a photographer, you are the captain of that ship. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that you're on course and you're on time and you're following the brief. And you've got mood boards and and like style guides sort of stuck to the wall. And you have to refer to it and you've got a shot list. And you also have to be creative and technically good (laughs) and and pleasant (laughs) to work with. So there's a lot of organizing going on. Um, So it's always good to make sure that, you know, like really thorough before the shoot actually happens. Yeah. And get there early get there really early um so it makes sense that there's a lot of like logistical things that you got to put in place schedules yeah people yeah. Uh, their jobs what they need to do um i want to know more about your side right you said you're the captain as the photographer yeah and that's really interesting to me because when i think about <laughs> a ship or a plane the captain makes all the decisions right but uh in a in a fashion or an editorial sense or i guess here in a fashion sense you said that you're working for a client so can you talk to me about that um relationship between figuring out you know these are the ideas for the photos that i want to capture versus their um approval or what it is that they're looking for mm. does that make sense 
Yes, yeah, it does make sense. Um, so that's one of the things or one of the many things that you would cover ahead of the shoot. So you, you'd have like a, a, an initial phone call um, and you would talk about their aesthetic. So it, it's it's quite an intense interview process in a way because I've got like loads of questions that I, I need to tick off to make sure that I've got everything covered. So it would be if if it was someone say that I wasn't I hadn't worked with before, I didn't know them, then I would say, tell me about your brand. Tell me about your label. Who Who's your demograph? And um, what do you want to say with this story, this narrative? Because there is some kind of narrative and it could be something really simple, like a, a curiosity about the color pink. It could be something as simple as that, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, <laughs> I give my clients homework. So I ask them to go away and to pull together a mood board of how they want it to look. Huh. So, so they are inspired. So they, they might have something in their mind and they might, um, they, they might be someone who thinks with words rather than pictures. But I would like them to sort of combine the two. So write me a description. Tell me about it. Describe it to me. Pull together some images. You know, go online, go to Pinterest, you know, rip something out of a magazine. If you see something walking down the street, take a picture. Pull together a mood board. You know, 10 shots doesn't have to be a huge amount of thing. And I'll do the same. And then we'll come back together and um, I will generate a mood board of what we're going to do talk through a shot list Mm. what is it that you want to shoot are you launching a new collection for example um and i will ask to see shots of the garments so i know what to expect how many shots do you want of each are you you know because some people i mean i don't do e-commerce which is you know full length, half detail, back shot, side shot, walking shot. That, that's not my thing. Although you, those are incorporated into say like a lookbook shoot. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's slightly different. Um, I mean, for example, I've got a, a spring summer, it's quite late actually, but it's a spring summer 2023 collection. And I think she's got 10, 12 pieces. Um, and she, you know, I gave her homework. I said, all right, pull together an aesthetic, a mood board. Can you send me shots of all the, all the garments, all the pieces? Um, and it makes her really clear about what we're shooting. And also for me, because you can plan like 80, 90%, but that last little bit, you can't plan for that. And that's, that's, I'm not going to say it because it's a swear word, but it's yeah. like the, it's, you know, it's when things go wrong. <laughs> You have to kind of plan for things going wrong. So um, plan and have a strategy and a schedule and expect something not to work. So, you know, you you could have a technical problem with software or your kit or a piece of uh, an accessory or something doesn't turn up or one of the garments is ripped or something like that. So you kind of have to think on your feet. That is a, that's a great takeaway. Uh, expect something not to work. Uh, and I've heard that from so many photographers yeah. as well. And that's, really? 
it's yeah. it's hard um i think as a new photographer to kind of wrap your head around that uh because you want to assume everything's going to go great you want to assume that it's just going to be rainbows yeah. and butterflies uh but inevitably <laughs> it's 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 not always that way um but it's, i have a question <laughs> when it comes to because uh, in the past i've asked uh, as a wedding photographer brides to send me um inspiration or ideas that they like for yeah. their wedding photos and inevitably it always comes back as like the photos that they send me they want almost exact replicas of those photos yeah. it doesn't feel very collaborative mm -hmm. do you feel the same way when you ask your client to send you photos or are they more aware of how the process works and able to explain what it is that they love about those images uh, in particular generally generally speaking clients are um they think a little bit more out of the box. So they're used to thinking creatively, thinking a little bit differently, not literally. So there might be like, um, I did a shoot recently and we had like a posing guide because I was working with people who uh, aren't used to being in front of the camera and finding their lights and, you know, knowing how to sit and just like, oh, just do this and do that. So I had a posing guide. So I would basically talk them through all the different things that they could do. And I would be watching how they were moving and standing and sitting. Um, so with the clients that I'm working with, generally speaking, they, they kind of know what they want most of the time, but that's my job as captain of the ship to kind of steer them quite literally yeah. sometimes and say, well, if you want to do this, it's going to be really difficult to do that. So we, we can do either or, or we can, you know, do some kind of amalgamation of the two, or we do this and we do that, which is a little bit different to that. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So um, very occasionally you're, I might get a, a shot that they want to do that is a replica of something, but they don't, they, they like the pose rather than what they're wearing or the location or there could be something in that shot that they really, really like. And they think I want that, but on the day it's not possible because it's chucking it down with rain or something. <laughs> so, yeah. So it yeah. really depends on, you know, the, uh, all of the circumstances that happen the day of, of the shoot. So, uh, so preparing as much as possible is extremely important, but it sounds like yeah. also being very flexible the day of, if things go awry is, is Absolutely. another skill. Yes, yes. And um, do everything with a smile, because if if you lose your cool, they will not come back. Mm. So, um, or, you know, bad, bad news spreads, spreads fast. It travels fast. So if you are being a diva as a photographer, if you're being difficult or you completely lose your cool with somebody, then that can come back and bite you on the ass. So yeah. um, <laughs> what is the closest that you've been to that? Like, I, I want to know what kind of situation, like how, uh, what gets you there? Is it, is it not being prepared? Is it, is it just things have gone so wrong? Is it things outside of your controls the things that you could have prepared for, but you didn't like what gets you close to uh, losing your cool? I can give you an example uh, of something that happened about 10 years ago. Um, and on, uh, it's, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think how much of this I can tell you. <laughs> no okay. names, no, uh, no, no names. identifiers. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I was I was booked by a guitar magazine to fly from London to Houston to shoot this world famous rock band, and um, everything had been prepared for me. So I literally got the call Monday lunchtime and Tuesday, the following mo- the following morning on Tuesday, I was at Heathrow Airport boarding a plane to go to Houston. So it was like really short notice. So all the preparation was done for me while I rejigged my schedule and packed a bag and, you know, got my way to London. When I got there, I was denied access. So, um, how did that happen? It's, it's a very, very uh, long story. And I, I don't know how much I, of detail I can go into, but, um, Basically, it was it was down to lots and lots of phone calls of me going phoning back to the uh, basically the the editor of the magazine to say, look, I, the tour manager won't let me in. I've just called him and he said, you're not coming in. You're not on the list. <laughs> and I was like, I thought this had been arranged. And she said, yes, it had been arranged because I was covering a drumming magazine, and a guitar magazine. And um, so I had to get two covers and two spreads and I had to cover the drummer and the lead guitarist of the support act and the main act. And uh, to say it was stressful is a huge understatement. Um, Well, what happened? Did you leave with nothing? No, 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 no. I I did. I did get some. I got I got what I needed and I managed to pull it out the bag. So I called back and then there's all these panic phone calls. So it was like five, six o'clock in the afternoon in Houston and about 10, 11 o'clock at night in, in London. And you're still on London um, time. You're exhausted. I'm, st- I'm exhausted. So I've got horrible jet lag. I'm tired. Uh, I'm probably, I'm not hungry by this point because I'm feeling sick with the stress. And it's like 80, 90% humidity because it was really, it's really Texas. hot. Yeah. Welcome to Texas. Yeah. 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 I've never been to Texas before. <laughs> I was just like, why is everyone looking at me? It was just, I, I was the only person walking. I realized that people don't walk in Texas. I was walking with a you know backpack camera gear. Like, what's going on? Just like people were honking their horns, and it was just like, well, I'm walking on the road on the oh, you call it the sidewalk. Yeah. I was walking on the pavement. Anyway, um, long story short, the uh, the. Press officer, she was amazing. She was uh, connected to the record company and uh, she was doing all the tour and all the press uh, junkets as well. And she was amazing. And she basically said to me, "Okay, I hear there's been like a huge mess up. I'm being really polite here. There was a huge mess. Uh, So basically, I'm going to have to chaperone you because you're not supposed to be here. So um, she escorted me onto the stage. Uh, the, the, the band obviously weren't on, but the, it was a stadium, massive stadium. Mm-hmm. And it was filling up with people. And the, the riggers were running up into their suspended chairs for the lights. So, you know, because there's all the follow spots going on. So they were, they were setting up and, and about to, to go live in about half an hour. And she said, right, because I had to shoot the kids. Mm. as well as you know i was supposed to get like interview portrait shots of them none of that was going to happen she said right okay i'm going to stand here you need to shoot this kit really quickly do it quick now just do it now okay okay and she was like literally okay right fine okay you got it okay right let's move because 
if if the tour, uh, tour manager saw me, she would have she would have had it in the neck. Wow! And she was doing me a huge favor. She said, "Right, okay, so the drummer he's going to come on. He's going to stand here. He's going to do this. He's going to turn, look that way. He's going to turn and look that way, and then he's going to walk to the drum kit." And she said, "You've got forty five seconds, so that's the shot you're going to have to get of him." And then she said, "The rest of the band will come on. This guy will come on before him. This guy will come on after." And um, that, that was the main act. And then the support act did slightly different things. And there was a, a press pit. You know, you know, like the press pit is usually in front of the stage. Yeah, but yeah. This, this was behind the VIP area. So it oh, was further back. 30 meters, 50 feet away. And luckily I packed a 70 to 200 and I basically shot everything on that because, you know, normally you don't. But I just thought, I'll pack it just in case. <laughs> and and um, one of these lighting rigs uh, that had the follow spot at the top, there was a load of flight cases at the bottom. She said, right, OK, um, you're not supposed to do this, but stand on there. I'm going to hold your legs. And uh, I took all the pictures I needed to. And she let me, because normally it's three songs and you're out, but mm-hmm. because because of the circumstances, she said, right, okay, just let me know when you've got everything. We haven't got long, but, you know, be quick. And I'm like... Heart's yeah. going, yeah. A million Heart's miles a going. second. But I did it. I got two covers and two spreads, and I managed to tick all the boxes. I did not sleep that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't say. I don't know if I wouldn't have slept yeah. or if it would have been the best sleep of my life that night. But uh, yeah, I, I could see how it would go, how yeah, it would yeah. go either way. Yeah. Now, my question for you is that, like, um, as a photographer, your job is to is to take the photos, right? You're being denied yeah. access, in here, right? Like, like you have to go Mission Impossible style to get in and get these photos. And it just seems like yeah. at, at, at what, I don't even know how to phrase this question. At what point is it like, like what, what could you have done to, to, to better prepare for that? Cause it sounds to me like nothing, like luckily you got in and you were able to get the shots, but is there mm. anything that you could have conceivably done to, to ensure that that didn't happen? There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. No, because um, I don't have the contacts with uh, the record labels or the production office or the press office of the artists I was there to shoot. Um, So it was all done, you know, through the magazine, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Yeah. To, to be a captain of a ship that you're just along 
you know, for the ride. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know. Um, yeah. I want to switch gears here a little bit because um, okay. one thing that, uh, that, that you're known for that you are very good at is your use of lighting. And I think uh, when people think fashion photography, uh, editorial photography, lighting is one of the most important aspects, you know, and, and one thing that I love about looking at uh, your use of light is that I really think that you do a, a, just a phenomenal job of blending natural light with artificial light. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll look at some of your work Thank and you. think to myself, is this a blend of the two or is this just purely natural light because it just looks so, so good. And I think that there's this perception with new photographers that, that the use of flash is to simply uh, add light to a scene so that you can just get a base exposure, you know? So I want to know, did you start off the same way? And if so, when did using flash as a creative element, uh, when did you start doing that? Um, I've used flash from the get go. Um, but it's, it's, it's a skill. It really is a skill. It's, it's kind of, um, oh, how can I put this? It's kind of like, um, like you learn to drive a car. I know I mentioned this earlier, but you, you kind of, when you start out, you're kind of crunching the gears, you're bunny hopping along. Not me. It's a little perfect. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, it's um, hard. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everything might be a little bit clumsy or it, it's not smooth and fluid and it, it doesn't quite sort of sit right. Um, it's with, with the lighting, I mean, I actually used lighting, like I said, from the beginning. And I I wasn't aware of how to use natural light. So it was the other way around for me. Oh, wow. So, um, Do you I think that came went... from just being in the studio, like seeing it in that first, first place? And obviously you're shooting on film, just a lower sensitivity. You just assume that you have to be shooting with, with light? Um... Well, I didn't understand it, so it's – I know that sounds like a, a mad thing to say, but I, I didn't understand how you could get the effects that I wanted. So, it, you know, everything is is kind of badly done, but that's how you learn. You know, that's how Thomas Edison discovered, invented the light bulb. He did it like – was it like 100 times, 200 times before yeah. he, he, he got it? Um, so it's – it, it it is a skill, and it's it's something that I would really encourage people to persist with, to just pursue it, keep going, keep going, and just you you can start with like one light, and and I, in fact, um, I'm an ambassador for Profoto, the global lighting brand, and um, I gave a talk at the photography show pre-pandemic, and um, the the talk was about. I think it was about 30 minutes and it was the whole thing was one light and three different ways that you can use it. And it's amazing what you can do with one light. And I used a strip light, which is not the most obvious thing to use. Yeah. So it's like most people start with like a reflector, um, you know, just like a normal round reflector um, or a square softbox. But I, I thought, no, let's do, so let's do something a little bit different. I used a strip light. And I used it horizontally and it's just, you know, use it vertically, use it horizontally in front to the side and then put it behind and use a reflector. Mm -hmm. 
and you get the most weird but beautiful, gorgeous lights. And, um, yeah, just think differently. Just think differently. Weird, but uh, beautiful, gorgeous light. That is always uh, my favorite. You say that and it, it you know, it piques my interest because I, I find it uh, when it comes to light, it's always so fun to, I don't know, just be walking out and about and seeing just the way that maybe the sun hits, I don't know, like an old stained glass window and somehow there's like a, a reflection on the ground and then you walk in between it and you, and you can see all this very funky, but yet beautiful, beautiful light. So, um let me ask you then, because buying a flash, there's a lot of uh, hesitation for new photographers because mm. it just seems like first I got to learn the camera. That's that's difficult enough as it is. Now I got to learn this whole light thing, you know, and actually make it look mm. good and not just put it directly on top of my camera. Um, is that first modifier that we buy? Is it a strip or is there something uh, that you would uh, uh, recommend for for new photographers that's a little bit easier to start with? I would uh, recommend going for something that's round. So it could be an umbrella. Umbrellas can throw out quite a harsh, crisp light, depending on the lining of the umbrella. Um, but, I mean, umbrellas are fairly inexpensive compared to softboxes. So if you can invest in a softbox, maybe go for uh, like an Octobox Um I mean, there's quite a few brands out there. Mm -hmm. Just go for the best you can afford. But try start with an umbrella, like a white silk silk. I can't speak today. <laughs> uh, it's just great for a podcast. Yeah, right. Trust me, that's why <laughs> yeah. I got into podcasting. I'm just terrible with words. I'm the perfect person. Yeah, for this. yeah. I just keep. Yeah, um, yeah. Get a silk lined uh, umbrella with a white lining and a black exterior, and then you can get like some real crisp yet soft light. And just see what you can do with it. Because you can, obviously you bounce it, but mm -hmm. then you can sort of double bounce it so it makes it even super soft. So um, if you get an umbrella, say like this wall behind me, this white wall, if you bounce a light off that, that whole wall becomes a soft box. Right. So instead of having a light source that's this big, it's actually, what is that, three, the four meters? The size of the wall. Yeah, exactly. size of the wall. So, and it, it, you know, if that wall is blue, you'll be throwing out blue light. If it's cream, it'll throw out cream light. So, you know, bear that in mind. But it's, yeah, start with something you can afford and try not to stress. <laughs> try not to stress. Yeah, that's a that's a hard one for uh, for for just it getting is. started in something yeah. like light. Yeah. Um, and I think when it comes to uh, getting started in light, there's this. I think what you first discover that lighting can be used in a creative sense instead of just for exposure your your first thought and maybe this is just human nature but you just go you just turn the dial to 11 and you you say let's see how crazy we can get with this <laughs> and uh, i know that there's you know a very popular uh style where you you know uh, underexposed the the background or the ambient light by like three stops four stops and then you just use your flash to like really make your subject stand out. Um, mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because I think a lot of people uh, use that as their identity rather than just like a tool in their toolbox. Uh, but mm. using light in these creative ways does open up different doors. So is there a way that uh, you experiment with light so that you can continue to add new lighting tools to your toolbox? I don't do it consciously, but I do do it. So it's, it's a very unconscious process. 
um, and I've actually started to write it all down. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the very early stages of writing a lighting book because I just think how I light something isn't necessarily uh, the conventional way that somebody would do it. Um, but everyone's way is different. So there's like there's rules of doing something, learn the rules and then break them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you find your own style. So um, I do experiment with my lighting. I just sometimes I just think, oh, I've, I've lit this subject this particular way for a while now. I, I fancy doing something a little bit different, but I, I can't go too far off the brief. But I, I will set something up and then I might go, mm, let's let's switch that up. Let's pull the light over here. Let's tilt it down or tilt it up and over. And I just put something here maybe as a reflector or, you know, a dead a black reflector sometimes. So which I did do um, and ended up making some very moody portraits, which was just what they wanted. Um, so I kind of <laughs> I kind of experiment on the job sometimes. Yeah. But with the client's approval. So I'm not going to like push something on them that they go, oh, no, that's horrible. That's really not the don't first like shot that. of the day. This is later in yeah. the day. Yeah. 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 But it's it's always the way. And also, I would say to your listeners is um, don't be afraid of, of taking bad photos with bad lighting because you are going to have that, you know, like when, um, you know, you get your laptop tethered to your camera and you're shooting and it's, I don't have a light meter anymore. I just kind of squint and guess. So I go, mm, I reckon that's about 4.0. That one's about two. This one's about eight. And then I just sort of put some settings into my camera and squint and go, mm, I think that'll work. And then take a shot and it looks horrible. And the client sees it and says, mm, I'm not sure about that lighting. It's just like... <laughs> This is the equivalent of a Polaroid. <laughs> you can't look at this. So back in the day, you'd shoot a Polaroid and you'd stand there with it under your arm, uh, and then you'd so it, nobody else could peel, see it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. While it was while it was cooking, and you'd peel off the corner, and you'd look at it like sort of without showing anyone. <laughs> so you'd be like like this, yeah. And it's just uh, like okay, we're going. That, that didn't work. We'll do another one. Uh-huh. <laughs> just toss that one away. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, Obviously, there's the brief, and there is like an aesthetic that we are aiming for. And I know how I'm going to do that and what I'm going to do. So it's, um, I'll try something. And mm-hmm. I say, what do you think about this? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. It's like bring up the shadows or darken them down or, you know. And now you have a so, new lighting tool in your toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> I would love to know because you said something there that really piqued my interest. That was you said that uh, you think that you use lighting in kind of an unconventional way compared to other photographers. So I'm going to give you a challenge right now. If you had to close your eyes and mm-hmm. like what and you had to describe, you know, what is an Amanda Thomas photo? You know, w- what is the lighting of an Amanda Thomas photo? What does that look like? Oh, crumbs. Uh <laughs> Crumbs. I've never heard that one before. I'm going to use that more often. Crumbs. <laughs> that's that's me being polite. Uh, <laughs> made me sound incredibly British. Then, um, uh, I wasn't I wasn't sure how much I could swear on it, so I'm, I'm not swearing. Um, how would I describe? 
Oh, crumbs. I don't know. Powerful. I think that it would create some kind of impact. Because I like to bring out the uh, the aesthetics of that person, the characteristics of that person. So um, there's there's like a strength, yeah, a calmness to my shots. You know what I love? Um, How you didn't say like, oh, I'm going to set up this light right here, put, you know, something, some silk in front of it and then just be done. Uh, and that you did use, um, uh, not emotions, but just like descriptors to put that together. Because mm. I think what is so interesting about photography and one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is that um, everybody sees the world differently and everybody interprets mm. things differently. And not only images, but words as well. So to you, powerful, calm could mean something entirely different to me mm. but to you you know exactly what it means and you know how to achieve mm. it as well and that just comes with practice <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean i could get really technical and say oh i'm gonna have a, a softbox or i'm gonna have a beauty dish and i'm gonna have a grid uh, all these types of things um but they are the tools you use to elicit the emotion because the, the the reason for taking a photograph is to capture an emotion or to create an emotion. So whether you're shooting a wedding or you're shooting a fashion editorial, it evokes some kind of emotional response within the person shooting it, the team creating it, but also the person who's going to view the images at the end. So that's why somebody looks at something and goes, Oh wow! Oh oh, I really like that. Or you know, whatever it is that they feel, it's an emotional response. So um, yeah, I, I kind of light with emotion. I'm quite emotional. You probably guess that by now. <laughs> so it's kind of that. That's how I work. Um, and you know, a photographer, as well as being captain of a ship, you're also a magician, a psychologist, and a technician. So it, it's kind of you you <laughs> you have to be multi skilled, and it's all it's all emotional. Mm -hmm. Where, um, and I think what makes a, a good shot great is the emotion that's in in the image, because it could be technically brilliant but dead. You know, you look at it and you go, ah, it's not quite right. You know, and um, one thing I would say is. Um, for your listeners is when you're shooting someone, make sure the eyes are engaged. If the eyes are dead, the shot is dead. No matter how much, how much post-production after effects, fabulous lighting. If the eyes are dead, you know, you know, so as a photographer, how do you, how do you do that? Or does that all land on the, on, on your subject? It's the photographer's responsibility, in my opinion, to, to bring that out of the person whoever you're shooting so if they're having a bad day um that does make it tough for you as a photographer um but you're the but psychologist the, you're the magician you're the all these things yeah, on top of yeah, being yeah. a captain and photographer so that's what it <laughs> takes it sounds like yeah 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 but that's where the prep comes in so you're also you know getting them to do homework but also you are mentally and emotionally preparing them for what's going to happen on this day. And it's, it's going to be a long exhausting day, but it's going to be an amazing day and um, you know, good stuff is coming from it. So 
it's all in the prep. It's all in the prep. Perfect. That's that's got to be the biggest takeaway from this uh, episode, completely. And I think that <laughs> as photographers, we should all be doing more prep work, um, which is which is difficult to wrap your head around when when you always uh, when you first get into photography. I mean, you know, the camera is it just documents whatever's in front of you. It's very reactionary. Uh, but I think mm. to get to this point to where you're at. It's got to be more than that. So uh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Amanda, I, I got to say, I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing everything that you have um, just about, My pleasure. you know, the, the industry, about um, emotion, about uh, all these other jobs that we need to be taking. And of course, uh, lighting as well. Um, so listeners, they're going to be wondering to themselves, how can I see more of Amanda's work? So why don't you share with us where we can find and follow you online? The best place to find me is on Instagram. And my name on Instagram is Amanda Thomas Photographer. Perfect. I Amanda. have a website. Oh, sorry, yeah. go on. Okay. I was going to say I have a website too, but I'm having a new one built. So cut that bit out. <laughs> why? Can I ask why? Why are you having a new website built? I don't like the one I have. Just aesthetically or, or performance-wise? Yeah. Yeah. Aesthetically, I, I just don't like it. So it's, I mean, some people are looking like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. But it's just like, no, it's not fine. It, it's yeah. Yeah, it's so hard to update. I really don't like it. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, when yeah when, when you um uh, you know a website should be some sort of living, breathing uh, representation yeah. of you. So if it's hard to update and you're not going to do it, um, that makes it very difficult, especially when it's uh tied to your uh, uh, livelihood. You know, so yeah. I, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, again, Amanda, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, coming on today, sharing everything that you have, and truly, I look forward to uh, keeping up with you and your work here in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, it is really hard to talk about light in a in a non um, example driven way. I've realized uh, during this interview, and yet, uh, even though I had some less than fully formed questions, Amanda, you know, came up with some phenomenal answers that I I took a lot away from, and I'm sure that you did as well. I had three big takeaways from this episode with Amanda. The first one is just squint. I don't know, guess, maybe try something, just figure it out. You know, you don't have to know everything to know anything. You never know what is going to spark your imagination, especially when you're shooting something. But when it comes up, explore it. Just try it out. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. Next is to expect something not to work. I love this one as you never expect to show up and find that, you know, I don't know, a light or a camera just completely stops working. And sometimes that happens. In fact, if you listen to my uh, one of my last episodes of the year last year where I took you behind the scenes and to shoot a wedding with me, I woke up and one or two of my flashes just were not working that morning. And I tried everything that I could to get them to turn on, change the batteries. It didn't work. You know, um, luckily I had extras, but that's because I thought, well, what if this dies? I need to have a backup, you know? So just thinking through what will you do? You know, what will happen if one of your pieces of gear that you rely on um, fails, you know, because it will help you to prepare and think more creatively about other potential problems as well. So that was a big takeaway. And lastly, my uh, my third takeaway here was to be collaborative if you want to be successful. People want to help people who they like, right? So to do that, you have to collaborate with others, figure out some ways that you can, uh, you know, bring value to somebody else and create something unique together. In Amanda's case, it could be with, uh, you know, a model who she's working with, a brand who she's working with, um, or a 
uh, well, I was going to say a brand like her client, but then also a brand uh, as in, you know, being an ambassador for ProPhoto. You know, you're not going to be able to get something like that if you just kind of say, oh, cool. And then, you know, never bring them up or anything like that again. You know, it, it all it is. Everything is about relationships and fostering those relationships. So if you truly want to be successful, collaboration is the key because success does not happen in a vacuum. All right. Now, I want to know if you have any questions about this episode or feedback on the show. Uh, if you do, feel free to reach out to me directly via the contact form at beginnerphotographypodcast.com where you can shoot me an email or even better yet, a voicemail. And while you're there, be sure to download my free picture perfect camera settings cheat sheet with camera settings from more than 10 popular types of photography filled with my own personal and professional images of, you know, real life stuff, you know, and the camera settings that I used to take those images so that you know where to get started. That is it for this week. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast brought to you by CloudSpot. It truly is the easiest way to deliver and sell your photos online. I recommend everybody grab an account. Guess what? You can do so for free by heading over to Deliver Photos. Dot com. And remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. I promise. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review in iTunes or your favorite podcast player and continue the conversation with Raymond and other listeners of the podcast by joining the Beginner Photography Podcast Facebook group today. Thank you. We'll see you again next week.